Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is good. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, we want to welcome you on live stream. We're glad you're with us today that we can all join together as one body. Amen. Amen. There is no distance in the spirit, so it's just like you're right here with us and we're right there with you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, um, the, the, the weeks that we did not have live stream or anything, we were still recording all the podcasts. And once we got the Internet up, all the podcasts got put up online. So if you want to go back and listen to any of the past services, unless you bought the CDs, I don't know. But if you want to go back and listen to any of the past services, they're all on the podcast, which is off of the website. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to read a letter to you. Um, you know, the linemen that we had the wonderful privilege of serving for three weeks while they were in town here, um, and their company was, is called MDR construction and they're out of Mississippi and uh, they were very grateful for what we did for them for their for their workers uh, this company is not a union company it's a um, uh, it, it, it's a um, co-op it is it is run by the employees so um, so it's not a union deal and and they have started the company uh, on a faith-based basis. So um, it was a, and we didn't know that, of course, when we opened up to them. We found that out later on. But it's a it was a great honor to be able to serve them. So the um, CEO of the company sent me a letter. And he says, I wanted to personally thank you for the hospitality that you, your staff, and congregation showed to the employees of our company while we were in your area restoring power. I've heard many stories of the kindness and generosity that was bestowed upon our company. The management of MDR strives to make Christ-like decisions in the management of our company. Therefore, I truly appreciate and admire the statement that was made about you and passed the knit on your website. So they were on the website looking at the church. I truly appreciate and admire the statement that was made about you and passed the knit on your website that they have a desire to reach people with the love and mercy of God and to see each person grow in Christ-likeness. Your church certainly showed Christ-like concern to our employees. I know we cannot repay you completely for the action, but please use the enclosed check for the future benevolent efforts of your church. Once again, thank you on behalf of myself and those employees that you ministered to and all the staff of MDR construction and they sent the check for five thousand dollars amen so they didn't just show thank you they i mean they didn't just say thank you they showed thank you and a true heart uh, of gratitude and and of course we're certainly grateful to them and uh like i said it was an honor to serve them and um I'm going to write a thank you letter back to them for their generosity, their seed sowing, and their kind words that they've written. Um, you know, you just never know 
if you wait till you have something in your hand to do something, you'll never do anything. You know, you, you just can't wait till you have something in your hand. You've got to do what you know God wants you to do. And, you know, and I hear from people and, um, um, you know, I was in a, uh, a leader, pastor and leaders meeting last week. And I hear things like, well, you know, I believe God told me to do this, but I just don't see how one man can do it. I guess you're looking at the wrong man. Because the man you should be looking at would be Jesus. And Jesus can do it all. And if you're the only one involved, then he's going to do it just through you. But you see, we have this type of thinking that I just can't because I'm not able to. Because your eyes are in the wrong place. It is never about you. When you make it about you, you've compromised what God wants you to do. It is always about him. He's the one that said it, so therefore he's the one that will do it. But the problem with us is God tells us, and then I'm going to take it in my hand, and I'm going to make it happen, which you can't. And then you burn yourself out, run yourself in the ground, and you live frustrated and discouraged because you can't. And you just can't afford that. You've got to keep your eye where they belong. Who did you hear it from? So therefore, who's the one that's going to do it? The God of vision is the God of provision. And he will provide for his vision. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So um, through the hurricane now, we have been blessed and we have received a little more than a third of what our deductible is on our insurance. So glory to God for that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God is a good God. All you have to do is get involved with what he does and he'll take care of everything. Again, we wait. We wait till we can. We wait till we have. We wait till we're able. And you watch the sun and you look at the clouds and nothing ever happens. The only thing that moves is the clouds and the sun. That is scriptural. So I want to talk to you today about something that the Lord spoke to me some years ago. And this is exactly what he said to me. There are people that are having lack attacks in their lives. And there are people that are having a life of lack. And they have it all mixed up. People are living a life of lack and think that they're having a lack attack. When it isn't a lack attack, it is a life of lack. And there's a total difference between both of them. And there's a total difference in how you deal with both of them. And everybody wants to de deal Everything they want, everybody wants to deal with everything. Well, this is an attack, but not everything's an attack. Everything, many, many things, in fact, most things we've just created on our own, and we've had a good, good way of doing that. And then we want to blame the devil for well, it's that devil, it ain't the devil. <laughs> <laughs> now, I understand that this means that the mirror has to get turned on. And we don't always like turning the lights on in the mirror. We don't want to be looking in the mirror. We want to be pointing outward and be like all the politicians that blame everything on everybody. How many of you remembered to turn your clocks back last night? Well, don't forget now Tuesday you get to turn your country back. No excuses, you go vote. No excuses, no busyness, and nothing should take away from going out and vote. 
turn the country back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a difference between a lack attack and a life of lack. Jesus found himself in a situation of lack. There were 5,000 men, just men, not counting women and children, and there was not enough food. That's lack. When there's not enough, it's called lack. There was not anything to feed them. But yet through faith and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, abundance was provided. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I expect a little better response today. <laughs> so go over to the Gospel of John chapter 5. I'm sorry, John chapter 6. And let's read verses 5 through 7. You know the account. <clears throat> Jesus is speaking to these people. He's teaching them. And, um, and they've been with him for a while. And here in verses 5 through 7, it says, Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Now let me ask you this. Did that test hurt Philip? No. So when God tests you, it's, he doesn't come to hurt you. If you think that, that God comes to hurt, well, he broke my leg to teach me something. Or uh, he, he, he's bringing this temptation to test me. No, that's not God. That's the God of this world. His name's Satan. So he was saying this to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. So here's this group of people, I mean, a multitude of people coming, and Jesus turns to Philip and says, what should we do about this situation? So Philip is in the same position as Jesus. They're facing the same lack, but because of Philip's lifestyle of lack and walking in the ways of lack and walking down the path of lack, Philip couldn't see the glory of abundance. Jesus never said, oh, what are we going to do about this? We can't buy food for all these people. That's not what he said, did he? He didn't say we can't buy food for all these people. He didn't say, how can we buy food for all these people? He said, we got the money, we got the means, where should we buy it at? So that means that when Jesus made that statement, they had the means. And this is why we always say, why do you spend your own money? They had the money. He wasn't spending it. Don't get quiet on me. Because, you see, this is the way lack always thinks. Something happens. Well, good thing I had the money for it. Why did you spend your money on that? Was that money for that repair, or was that money to bless somebody and got stolen from you because now you had to repair something? See, but that's the way a life of lack thinks. Always about lack. And dear God, thank God I had the money to take care of that, that the devil just came and stole from me. Where should we buy food 
Is there a Walmart nearby? Is there a super center nearby? Is there a distribution center nearby? Where should we buy food for these 35,000 people? Philip could only think that if we spend this money, they're only going to have a little. Why? Because Philip had a just get by mentality. If we can just get by to be okay. And I understand being there, but you don't have to stay there. And that's the whole point. The word of God is never to condemn you about where you're at. It's to show you you don't need to stay here. You can move on into greater levels. Are you with me? Philip had a lifestyle of lack. So what's a lack attack? A lack attack is when you are walking in abundance, things are being taken care of, and all of a sudden a need comes up and there's a lack. There's not enough to handle it. Things are not what they used to be. All of a sudden, everything's changed. We were going along so good. And then all of a sudden, this happened, and oh, we didn't have enough. And dear God, I don't know what we're going to do. And this is why you see people save money all their life and put it into an account and store it away. Because as you get older, we expect catastrophic things to happen. And we need that money. We're going to need that money. Well, you know, if you expect it. You say, well, Pastor, you can get catastrophic health insurance. The only thing catastrophic about that health insurance is the premiums. The premiums are catastrophic. Okay. Go to Job. Let's go look at our buddy Job, chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. A lot of people don't like the book of Job because it reminds them of getting a job. <laughs> Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. And his possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all men of the East. Verse 13 through 19. And on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. 
And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Job had a lack attack. Job was the wealthiest man in the East. He had everything. He had 10 children. He had all kinds of possessions. And he lost everything in a day. That is a lack attack. Satan came against him, stole from him, destroyed what he had, killed his children. Isn't that right? And um, so if any of you have a theology that that was God, see me later because it was not God. And uh, so Satan, and, and don't tell me, well, God allowed Satan. Don't even tell me that. So if you think God allowed Satan to do that, well, then see me later and we'll talk about it. So Satan comes against them, brings all this destruction against him. And uh, look at where are we at. Verse 20 and 21. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshiped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, wrong doctrine will really hurt you bad. The Lord gave and the Lord took away. Well, the Lord gave, but the Lord did not take away. It wasn't the Lord taking it away. You say, but that's in the Bible. Well, yeah, it says in the Bible and it's truly recorded in the Bible, but it doesn't mean it's truth. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't make it true. Who said that? Was Job speaking for God? No. Was it inspired by the Holy Ghost to write it down? Well, all of Scripture is inspired by God. See, I caught you on that one. All of Scripture is inspired by God, so God inspired to have it written down. That doesn't make it truth. Because Job said it, and Job was not speaking for God. Okay? And then later on in the Bible, a couple, about a chapter later, his wife says to him, why do you hold to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Well, is that truth? No. But it's in the Bible. And then in the book of Mark, the Pharisees said of Jesus, you cast out the demons by the ruler of the demons. Well, is that truth? But it's in the Bible. They're not speaking for God. Now, if you know God, you'll know how to discern that, whether it's of God or not. But people get thrown off track because they don't know God. And that's why you have to learn. God's a good guy. He's only good. He's always good. He doesn't bring evil into your life to teach you something. He doesn't bring evil into your life because you messed up something. He don't bring evil into your life because he's mad at you about something. No. No, that's not God. But why did Job have a wrong doctrine? Because he had no knowledge. And yet it's the most quoted scripture by religious folks. Well, the Lord gave and the Lord took away. And they say it like that. The Lord, you know, they, you know, they say it in that religious tone. But when you have no knowledge, you're going to have a wrong doctrine because you will judge God based on your circumstances rather than judging your circumstances based on the word of God. So Satan killed Job's children. He took his property. 
Job lost his health. You find that in chapter 2. From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, lost all of his position, uh, possessions. And it is nothing but a big lack attack. Now, we know that by the end of the book of Job, everything was turned around, and he received twice as much. There was a beginning, and there was an ending to the attack. The attack actually lasted about 18 months. There was a beginning and an ending. To every attack, there was a beginning and the ending. Well, when does it end? It depends on you. When Job received revelation about the Lord and acted on that revelation, then the attack was done. So just as wrong doctrine and wrong thinking can open the door to attacks of the devil, you get yourself right and get in faith, you can put an end to it. So there's a beginning and an ending to an attack. But a lifestyle of lack is never ending. It's never ending. And usually if you look at it, you can't usually tell when it even started. It might have a beginning. There might have been something that happened to us at a certain point in our life, and that's where we stepped into a whole lifestyle of lack. But most people don't know when it started. It's just the way it's always been. All their life, this is just the way it's always been. And then they come up with that expression, well, this is just the way it always is, and this is, you know, God, this is the lot God's given to me, and, you know, all the other excuses of reasons that we come up with. But most people don't know when this lifestyle of lack started. It's the way it's been all, we, all of our life. And you can ask people sometimes about it, and they'll tell you, well, my daddy, and he told me about his daddy, and that's the way that it was. I remember Pastor Happy Caldwell said, my dad, he only paid cash for everything. He just never had anything. Are you with me? Many times we're in a lifestyle of lack because it's been handed down from generation to generation. And it's not an attack. It's a lifestyle. You don't know when it started. It's always been like this. Or it had a certain beginning from a certain event. And either way, you see no ending in sight. All the time, we hoped there would be an ending. All the time, we tried to bring it to an ending but yet it has never stopped. Why? Because lifestyle has not changed. If lifestyle does not change and it's a lifestyle of lack, how can the lack stop? I've known people that have had lifestyles of lack and would not deal with their life. And then they would come and say, that faith stuff doesn't work. It's not working. We've never been able to take hold of that faith stuff. It don't work because it's not an attack. It's your lifestyle. If you don't change your lifestyle, then the lack never stops. Are you with me? I know that this can be hard, but it's something that really needs to be taken hold of because the longer you want to point your finger and say, the devil, the devil, the devil, you'll never do anything about you. And it's like Brother Seville one day, he was shaving and he looks in this mirror and he goes, oh, my enemy, I have found you. We are our biggest enemy. And it's all in the way we think. 
if someone's a musician and achieves a certain level of, abil of ability, they might want to increase their ability. But there are habits, there are practices, and there are goals that needs to change if increase is going to take place. This is why you never see me increase. Because I'm not willing to do the practice, change the habits, and all that stuff to do that. I had somebody come to me one time and said, you know, you ought to buy this guitar. It's a great guitar. It's like almost $2,000 for the guitar. And I said, at 71 years old, I am not investing in another guitar like I'm going on the road. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. You know. No. We're all at a certain point in our marriages, and we want it to get better. Thank you for that one amen. That was from my wife. But if we kept doing the same things that we always did, it's not going to get any better. When I was in school, I had poor grades. And if I wanted them to get better, but I didn't do anything different, they would never get any better. You know, in our own relationship, I had to change communication. I was not a communicator. I did not like to communicate. I know you find that hard to believe because when I'm up here, I can't seem to shut up. <laughs> but you know, when the anointing lifts, I've got nothing left to say. And uh, so I had to start getting into communication. I didn't like communication. I'd rather be raptured than have to communicate. So, you know, I had to change some of my habits. I had to change some of my stuff, things that I did. Pastor Nitch, he had to change some of the things she did. We both had to change things in our life if our relationship was going to get better. Thank you. God bless you. You know, what's our report card on life? We want everything to be A-OK, -okay, but we got to degrade. Our grade is D. What is our grade? What's our report and don't write out your own report card. Did you ever notice that when you was in school, you didn't write your own report card? Because everything would be an A, because you'd have to bring it home to mama, and everything's an A. We're good. But the teacher, the teacher wrote out your report card. Who is your teacher? The Holy Ghost. If you let him write out your report card, and you listen to him, you might find out that you're not the A student you thought you was. <laughs> Amen. So we have to consider our ways of life and then consider what's an attack. When attacks come against you, you can use your faith, you can use prayer, you can function by the Holy Spirit, you can cast out the attack of the enemy, you can overcome it and be victorious. But you can't do that with a lifestyle. You can't cast out your lifestyle. You got to change it. Romans 12, verse 2. Amen. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know why we go to the word of God? Because it's like I could tell you about lasagna all day long, but unless you eat it, you won't enjoy it. That's why we go to the word. That's why you got to look at the word. You got to read the word. And you can't just be speaking it in your head. You got to go to it and eat it. You are what you eat. Isn't that right? Amen.
excuse me, the WIST translation says, stop assuming an outward appearance that does not agree with what's on the inside. Amen. Amen. How many times have we tried to take the word of God and change things on our life and it didn't work? Most of the time it's because we're trying to cast out something that can't be cast out. You have to change. You have to change. You've got to renew our mind, change the way we think. We can't walk in God's ways unless we start thinking God's thoughts. Isn't that right? That's what his word is full of. It's full of God's thoughts. The Bible tells us that all that God has prepared for those who love him, eye has not seen it, ear has not heard it, but to us, God has revealed it through the spirit. Isn't that right? The spirit of God has made known to us the thoughts of God because the word of God is the God is God breathed by the spirit of God. When the word is breathed into you, you can change the way you think. Now, this is what I find to be a major problem is that people sit there and wait. I'm waiting for God to give me a revelation. I'm waiting for God to breathe on me. I'm waiting for God to. God has already done everything God's going to do. And it's you taking that word and putting it into your soil. And that soil then produces of itself. God has designed this to be like this. It's not you waiting for God to give you a revelation. He's given you a soil, a spirit, so you can put that word in there and it can then produce. It's the revelation that comes out from your spirit. Because it's empowered by the word of God that you're putting into it. Are you with me? See, that's how it works. It's not wait, waiting. I'm waiting for God to give me a revelation about this. I mean, I'm meditating on it, but I'm waiting for God to give me a revelation on it. You got to get that into your spirit. And can I say this without sounding rude? Probably not. But sometimes we got to get it through that thick head. And in that head is the experiences, the upbringings, the backgrounds, the old expressions, our, uh, things in our life, things that we've gone through. And that word has to get through all that to where our head finally opens up, our soul opens up to receive that word into our spirit. Amen. And this is why the parable of the sower, there's three areas where the soul did not let that word get into the ground. Only once that word got into the good soil of the spirit. Three times it did not. And each those times it was stolen. Are you with me? Taking hold of the word of God, we can change the way we perceive things change the way we understand things, and change the way you do things. How many of you, before you got saved and started hearing the word of God, thought God was your biggest problem? <laughs> you know, I did. You know, <clears throat> I mean, I was taught as a kid, you know, if you don't do good, if you don't do right, God's going to beat you, bust you, bust you, break your head. That's what I was taught about God as a kid. Well, I knew that I, I, 
I mean, I knew right up front, oh, I'm never going to be able to live good enough for God not to beat me. So I'll just let him beat me. I'll go live the way I want to live. I'm going to get beat anyway. I'm not going to get beat coming to church. I'm not going to get beat giving money in the church. I'm out of here. And I always figured God was my biggest problem. Until when I got saved and started hearing the word of God. Find out that God was my biggest friend. I mean, you've been in the military. When you first got off the bus, you thought that DI was your biggest problem. <laughs> and you didn't realize it until later on, he was your best friend. Right? Amen. Amen. Our lifestyle cannot be cast out. You can't cast it out. You can't cast out those habits. You can't cast it out. We have to change the way we think and change our ways by renewing our minds. It's not just coming up with a new thing. You have to change the way you think. No matter how many new things that we might come up with, we're still thinking the same old ways. And therefore, you're always going to have the same old results. You can't cast out by the power of God what you need to put to death by the character of God. Let me say that again. You cannot cast out by the power of God what you need to put to death by the character of God. Those who belong to Christ, it says in Galatians, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Crucified it. And when it talks about passions and desires, it's not just talking about lasciviousness, immorality, and, you know, and, uh, and all these things. It's talking about anything that doesn't agree with God. Amen. Changing what needs to be changed. You cannot cast out by the power of God what you need to put to death by the character of God. You cannot foil by faith what you need to saturate with self-control. You cannot foil by faith what you need to saturate with self-control. I've tried using faith before going to the buffet. It didn't work. Because <laughs> I had no self-control once I got there. <laughs> you look so holy sitting there. Self-control is a character trait. And there are things that we need to exercise self-control over. Whatever we sow, if we sow to the flesh or sow to the spirit, we are going to reap it. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, this is what you will reap. Isn't that right? Amen. So most of our problems in life is not God dealing out discipline to us. And neither is it the devil coming to attack us, coming against us. But it's very simply what we have sown in our life is just coming back to us. Now, we may have sown with good intention, but it was just wrong doctrine. Job, it says the first thing that happened, when, when all that happened to Job, the first thing he did was worship the Lord. He had good intentions. He made sacrifice every day for his kids because he was in fear that they might have sinned and cursed God. So he had good intentions. He had wrong doctrine, and he did not understand spiritual principles. And he didn't know that the very fear that he was walking in is what was going to open the door to the attack to where he would lose everything. Are you with me? Are we having a big lack attack or are we just living a life of lack? 
something that needs to be answered. Luke chapter 14. Verse 28 to 32. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out, to meet another king in battle will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Always building towers in our life. Which one does not first sit down and calculate whether he has enough? There are financial towers that we build in our life. There are health towers that we build in our life. We might be building a marriage tower, a family tower. There's towers of peace, towers of joy, all kinds of towers that we can be building in our life. So consider, before you build anything in your life, the first thing you have to do is make a decision. That's always the first thing. We can have a desire to do things, but unless we come to a decision, nothing is ever going to happen. Like working out. Exercise. Don't shout me down. I'm talking to myself. Yeah. Tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. <laughs> so after you make the decision, the next thing is to come up with a plan. How is it going to happen? You may not know all the steps, but you have a plan laid out on how it's going to work. The plan could come from the Lord or the plan could come from yourself. You can make a decision to build a tower based on something the Lord has dropped in you, and then you can get on to your own plans. Have you ever done that? I believe this is what God wants me to do, so I'm going to make this happen. You can switch and jump from one plan to another. Just because God gave you something doesn't mean you're staying on the plan. You have to figure out what's going, what is it going to cost you. How much time is it going to take? How much money is this going to cost? You know, that one fellow that said, God dropped something in me, but it's going to take more than one person to do this. Really? And then there's Noah. Noah, one man, built this tremendous ark for rain that had never happened on the face of the earth at that time. One guy. It's not about the person. It's about the God you serve. Yes. Noah could have heard from God, you need to do this, and he could have gone and sat in the field and going, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I don't see how I'm going to make this happen. This is impossible. He could have done that. Oh, God, send me people. Oh, God, send me help. Oh, God, do, I'm, I'm, no, God didn't tell you anything to, say anything to you about help. He didn't say anything about people. He said you. See, you could switch from one plan over to another. All of a sudden, you get your own plan on how you're going to make what God said happen. Amen. There are things that I decide to do 
and I'll sit down and tell my wife, you know, I have to do this for a while. Maybe we've always had a certain amount of time together during the week, but we're going to have to put on the side because there are some things that have to get done. That's a cost. It's a cost to the family. could be a cost to the relationship. And we have to figure out what it's going to cost and are we willing to pay. We might be looking at our plan and we'd be thinking, how are we going to take care of this thing? I mean, I make this amount of money. I have this amount in savings. I get this ultra amount of money from Social Security. My goodness, dear Lord. Yeah, I mean, you know, an overabundance. It's where you want to say, I worked all my life for this. You know, so I make this much money. I can, I can do this much a week or I can do this much a month. And we start looking to our paycheck. And we start scratching as much as we can and putting on the side and saving as much as we can and put off all other kinds of things. And we start holding things back from the family because after all, I'm building my tower. I'm looking at my own ability. I'm looking at what my hand can produce. I look at what I can do and make and how much income I can have. And it's my ability that I'm looking to and therefore, just like Lazarus, wrapped up in death rags, I am all bound up. The promises are not free to move because I am bound to my own self. Are you with me? Remember Philip's poverty thinking? Even if we had 200 denarii, it would only be for just a little. 200 denarii, a denarii was a day's wage. So this was 200 days, about two-thirds of a year's worth of salary. He said, even if we had that, they would only have just a little. Andrew said, we have five loaves and two fish, which was actually five saltine crackers and two anchovies. But he said, what is this among so many? And there are times that we look at things. And they look very small. We look at what we need to do, and then we look at this small thing. And we start thinking, this just is not enough. I mean, I was, I'm looking to do this, and it's going to cost this amount of money, and $50 comes to me. And what is this when I have such a big thing I need to do? And we despise the small things. It's just $50. This isn't going to help. Well, it could have helped you out, but you wasted it. Well, it's just $50. I'm believing for $5,000. I'm believing for that amount of money. Well, this was the start of it, and you went and wasted it. And because you can't be shown faithful with the little, you won't get the much. I'm looking straight ahead. I'm not looking at anybody. And I'm not looking at you on live stream. I'm looking below the camera. <laughs> what is $50? Well, it could have been a seed. Could have been a seed to sow for what you need. If we have such a lifestyle of lack thinking, then we can't see what God wants to do. Jesus took a little bit, five saltine crackers and two anchovies or sardines, two sardines. And the first thing he did, he said, thank you, Father, for what is in my hand. And what did God do? 
multiplied what was in his hand according to Jesus's faith. Amen. Well, you know, I just don't have the faith of Jesus. We know that. But why do you continue to excuse that? That becomes your excuse to stay in your lifestyle of lack. It's not an excuse. Not when Jesus gave us an example of what a real man lives like. Are you with me? It's crucifying the old ways of doing things and come up to God's way of doing things. Amen. Genesis chapter 22. This is the account of Abraham. And um, God told him, you take your son up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Right? And we know that Abraham was obedient to God. And in uh, Genesis 22 verse 12, as Isaac is up on the altar, the angel of the Lord comes in verse 12. He says, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to harm him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. God watches and God wants to know. He wants to know if you are faithful to your word. Will you be faithful to your word? He wants to know. He watches. He hears when things come out of our mouth. Amen. If you will honor him with what he gave you. 25 years it took Abraham believing God for Isaac. Finally got to a place to where he was fully persuaded. And Isaac was born. And then 16 years later, after Isaac is born, the Lord says, now I want you to give him back to me. And the question is, will you keep with God's plan or will you turn to your own? Will you take what God has put in your hand and keep with God's plan? Or will you take it now and go, oh, thank you, God. I've always wanted this to go do such and such. Will you be with his plan or will you be with your own plan? Abraham received a son from the Lord and he was thrilled to have a son in his old age. He was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And also that his son was a promise from the Lord. And when Isaac was about 16 years old, the Lord spoke to Abraham and told him to sacrifice him on the altar. And Abraham obeyed the Lord and traveled to the place that he was told to, to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. As Abraham lifted his knife to slay his son on the altar, the angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, Now I know. Now I know. So in other words, when you sit there with a pile of whatever God's given you and you go, Oh God, whatever you want to do with it, you know it's all for you. He don't know it until you do it. You might have that thing in your hand for years, and then all of a sudden the Lord comes along. And now this heirloom that you never used, you wouldn't want to give it up for nothing. Because now it's an heirloom in your life. It's been around for so long, how can I give this up? That can't be God. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> The only question is, will you obey God and use it for his purposes? Or will you turn to your own plan and use it only for your own purposes? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking someone that he can strongly support, whose heart 
is faithful to him. He wants to strongly support us, but he's watching and looking at our heart. Therefore, we have to give consideration to our ways. Is that right? Another thing that happens when you receive from the Lord is lack attacks will come. It'll always come. You can defeat and cast out every lack attack when your eye is on the goal that God has given to you. Maybe your eye needs to be on the goal of changing your lifestyle. And as you put your eye on the goal to change your lifestyle, then there's going to be attacks that come in that area because the devil don't want you to change your lifestyle. Isn't that right? Little changes at a time, not big changes, little changes at a time. Deal wisely so God can trust you with more. Everything has been provided and all things have been put into place because you are his children. And it's time to receive from the Lord, change that life of lack and defeat every lack attack. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. So the question is, what are we leaning to? Are we going to lean to our understanding or lean to the Lord? Are we leaning to our own ability, our own ways, and the things that we can provide? Have you ever looked at things in your own life and seen lack and thought, well, that's just the way it is? If you think that way, you're in a lifestyle of lack, and there's no lack attack about it. If that's the way it always is, it's a life of lack. So maybe that is the way that it's been, but it don't have to stay that way. And that's the whole point. It never has to stay that way. Amen? Amen. Psalm 63. Verses 3 to 5. Psalm 63, verses 3 to 5. He said, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul was satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Marrow is always a symbol of health. And fatness is always a symbol of prosperity. Now, understand what he says. My soul is satisfied. Because of your loving kindness, it's better than life. I will bless you as long as I live. My soul is satisfied as with. He didn't say my soul is satisfied because I have. He said my soul is satisfied just as if I had marrow and fatness. And therefore, my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. So he's not looking at the stuff to satisfy him. See, this is how the world defines satisfy. Just like when the Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content. We define these words based on the world's definition. Content just does not mean I'm sitting in a pit of mud, but bless God, I'm just so happy. I'm, just, I'm contented with it. That is not the contentment of God. And it's not what being satisfied is all about. It means my, satisf my satisfaction is in the Lord. Which means, just like Paul, 
I'm content. Whether I abound or whether I'm abased, whether I'm in abundance or whether I'm in lack. Those things don't matter. I don't do things because I'm in abundance, and I don't not do things because I'm in lack. I don't do things because I am abased, and I don't not do things or don't do things because I am bound. Those things do not decide how I live. My eye is on Christ, and it's in Him that I can do all things. That's contentment. That's what Paul said. Is I learned the secret. He learned it. This is not something that just comes natural. He learned it. How did he learn it? By messing up a lot of things in his life. And then finally getting on the fact that Jesus is the center of his life and I can do all things. What was abased can turn into abundance. What was lack can turn into overflow because I'm looking in the right place. That's my contentment. He's my satisfaction because he makes all things well. That doesn't mean I live with the crap in my life and everything's okay. And I know that's a little strong. But sometimes you got to hear it that way. Because there's a lot of crap out there. And there's a lot of crap you're dealing with too. And it doesn't mean it's okay. That you just, well, I'm happy in the Lord. Don't be so religious. He's not there so you can be happy with what the devil's doing in your life. He is there so you can keep your eye on him and go kick the devil's butt. Change your lifestyle and get your thinking straight. Amen. You know, football coaches don't go into halftime and go, now, you know, I know that we're, we're down by uh, 28 points. But, you know, if you guys do a good job, things can really turn around. Does a football coach talk like that? And that's why I don't talk to you like that either. Just so you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. My soul is satisfied, continually satisfied, because I drink and I'm fed to the full. I have excess and abundance. Sounds the same as when the multitude was fed and they all ate and they were full. My soul is full. The result of being satisfied, health, prosperity, praise, and joy. That's the result of it. Third John 2. Everybody doing good? Third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects that you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. My, my soul, my soul is satisfied means my soul is prospering. My soul is being filled up with the things of God. My mind, my emotions, my will, they're being overflow feeding on the things of God regularly. I'm continually satisfied because I'm continually drinking my full and continually fed to the full, continually having enough, having excess, having plenty, having abundance. My soul is prospering. Therefore, I have marrow. I have fatness. I have health. I have prosperity. And just like the psalmist said, I will rejoice and praise and sing for joy even before the prosperity and the health shows up. Why? Because my soul is satisfied. But I'm expecting things out here to change. I'm not living with this nonsense. 
Are you with me? This is why uh, Psalm 68, he says, my soul clings to you, clings to you. It clings and cleaves as a relationship that is joined together, just like in a marriage where you cleave to one another, okay? Join together and follow after. And David says that he clings to and runs hard after the Lord with his mind, his emotions, his strength of will. His mind, emotions, and strength of will. The Lord said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all that you are. That means you run after God. Yeah. It doesn't mean you stand there and go, oh, God, I love you, I love you. Well, that's part of it, but it, there needs to be some running after. Amen. Amen. All right, one last verse. Who said thank you, Jesus? Psalm 37, verse 4. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. So, well, I've been satisfied in God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm satisfied in him. Uh, my soul is prospering in him. So, therefore, I've just been enjoying my time with God and delighting myself in him. He is my shepherd. I have not been wanting and therefore, he gives or puts within me and places in me desires. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will place within you desires. On the inside of you, he will give you desires for things that have already been provided. He'll give you desires for things that have already been planned. He'll give you desires that have already been set in place for you. And he'll drop that desire on the inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. So that by faith, those things that can then be manifested. They've already been provided, already been planned. There's already a place set. The only one taken by surprise is you. God's not taken by surprise. He's already got it all laid out, all planned out. He's got the provision in place. He's got everything you need. And all he needs is faith, faith to take this provision and this plan and manifest it into the natural realm. What did Jesus tell Martha at the tomb of Lazarus? I told you, if you believe, you will see the glory of the manifestations of God. I told you, if you believe it, you will see it. Amen. Amen. God places the desire on the inside of us, and we are to then respond to that desire. And I can continually be delighting in him, walking in his path. And on his path drips fatness, abundance, overflow. Why? Because I'm going the way that he wants me to go. I'm going in his direction, and he's providing everything along the way. It doesn't matter what comes up. He's not taken by surprise. Oh, I would have been able to do that for you, except this came up. No, no, he knew it. Delighting in the Lord. The devil wants to create havoc or bring a lack attack against you. But I'm delighting in the Lord. My soul is satisfied. I continue on his path. I enjoy the abundance of victories all along the way. Every lack attack that comes up, victory, victory, victory. A lack in health, victory. A lack in finances, victory. A lack in peace, victory. A lack in joy, victory. Always a victory over it. And walk right on past it. 
Amen. In uh, 1996, we had made some decisions in the ministry about sowing financial seeds. And as soon as we made that decision, financial trouble came to the church. Wow. Who would have thought? And I remember sitting at my desk, and I was doing the accounting, and I was looking at the computer screen that had the accounting up there, and I just sat back and said, you got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me? I was like, do you think that I'm this stupid? Do you think I don't know what you're doing? We just made a decision, a financial decision, and we're going to sow seed into other ministries, and now you've attacked our finances. Do you think I'm stupid? Now, I don't know about you, but that's the way I talk. I talk like that. Because I'm not going to be the idiot. He's going to be the idiot. Amen. Well, that was the year that my wife and I, in 1996, we finished out the year four months behind in our salary. And you know what? We didn't miss a meal. We had no savings accounts. We had no investments. Everybody thinks this. You know, oh, you don't get paid. You got all these investments. You got all, we had nothing. And I had, by that time, quit stealing, so... <laughs> but we never had a skimp on meals and we always ate good uh, of course my wife she gives away a lot of food and if you give away that much food there's going to be food coming back amen and then that so that was 1996 when we ended up 1996 april of 1997 then that was the first time I was able to pay all my taxes right up front. That was a miracle. Why? Because it doesn't matter what the attack is. If you're walking on the path, the fatness is going to drip. You just have to let it drip on you. Amen. Amen. God is good. See, that's God's business. That's God's business. The reaping. The overflow, the abundance, it's for you to believe in, but it's God's business taking care of it all. And he will always honor according to our faith. Well, you know, I was believing and it didn't really happen. Well, where was your faith at? Well, I was, I'll tell you, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get all puffed up and proud there. Because if it was where you think it was, it would have been better than what had happened. Because God is not mocked. God knows exactly where our faith is at. We're the ones that think we're a super faith man. And God's wondering how you even got off the ground. You know, you know how that goes. We always have in our life a product of where our faith is at. Let me say that again, because, you know, there might have been a, should have been maybe a better response. But we're always at a place in life as a product of where our faith is at. And that's just the way that it is. You can't change that. It's a spiritual principle. God's not going to hold back. He's not a, a withholder. Isn't that right? God is good. His loving kindness is better than life. It is so good. His, his compassion is great. He's always moving on our behalf. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. And how does faith come? 
by hearing the word. So you could say, I'm believing for this, or I'm believing for that, or I want that, or I believe God will, but what do you base that on? And what does the word of God say? Of course, faith cannot be apart from the word of God. The word of God is the power of God. Isn't that right? It is the forces of life coming out of your heart, the word of God out of your heart and out of your mouth into your life, into your decisions, into your way of living. That power of God in that word is what makes the change. But it's not the power of God out here from heaven. It's the power of God out here from you. It will not return to him void. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. So whether on the inside of you was developed 30, 60, or 100-fold faith, that will determine what we have in our life. So if I'm believing God for healing and I get 30-fold, 20-fold, 10-fold, where is it at? Or is it 100-fold? Did I get everything that I was believing for? And was everything that I was believing for everything I could believe for? So there's always those levels of moving on in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? So we have to consider our life. Are we dealing with a life of lack or are we dealing with a lack attack? And start making the changes in your soul that's necessary. Because as your soul goes, so your life goes. It's not as your spirit goes. You got born again. You became a new creature in Christ. Jesus became Lord of your life. And your spirit was set on a whole new destiny. But as your spirit goes, that's not how your life goes. Your life goes the way your soul goes. Because the soul is the bridge between the spirit and the natural. And it's only how that soul goes is how our life goes. You can walk out of a lifestyle of lack. And you can defeat every lack attack. Just be honest and don't get them confused. If you'll be honest and deal with them correctly, you'll defeat either one of them. And you can defeat every one of them. And live the victorious life that Jesus came to give you. Can you say amen? Lift your hands to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we bless you. We bless you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. If you're on live stream, just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Let's just honor him, thank him for his goodness and his grace. Oh, Father, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Holy Spirit, we've been hearing your word today, and we understand now that there is a difference between a lifestyle of lack and an attack of lack. Help us to know, to understand, and to see clearly what we deal with. Father, if that pride wants to rise up, now I can't say this for their behalf. They're going to have to say this on their own. But if pride rises up and will not admit, I give you permission to knock that pride down. Now, I could say that in my life, but each of us has to say that in their own life. You have permission to knock down that pride that I would be able to humbly, meekly, 
remain teachable before you. That what I need to change in my life, I can change in my life. What attacks need that come that I can stand against and defeat, then I can stand against and defeat it in you. But Lord, help me to understand the difference. There are things in areas of my life that is a life of lack. There's other areas that it's an attack of lack. It's not all a lifestyle and not all an attack. So show me which one is which that I would deal wisely, that I would deal correctly, and that I can live victoriously. Lord, I thank you for that. I receive that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord God. Father, I just thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that uh, your word is always in abundance, that will feed us to the full and fill us, Father, that if we're thirsty, that we can drink. If we're hungry, we can eat and we can be satisfied. So, Father, I thank you that as we come before you with our giving this morning, whether it be with our tithes, with our offerings, whatever it may be. I thank you, Lord, that you have attached promise in your word to our giving so that we can believe you for the harvest, for the reaping, for the return. That for every seed that is sown, there is a harvest that grows. And Father, I thank you that when the harvest comes back, there's fruit, fruit to enjoy, fruit to share with others, and seed to sow back once again into your kingdom. And Father, I just thank you so much that you watch over your word to perform it, that we don't just give, but we declare your word over our giving, and your word will produce back 30, 60, and 100-fold. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you need an envelope, for credit card or cash giving, uh, it'll be on the seat back in front of you. If there isn't one there, then you can um, uh, lift your hand and the ushers will serve you. If you joined us on live stream, thanks so much for being with us today. It is always a joy to be together with you wherever you may be around the country or around the world. And it's always an honor to share the word of God and a privilege to be able to speak God's word to you. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you can go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, click on the giving link. We thank you in advance for the seed that you sow, and if there's anything at all that we can pray with you about, stand with you about in agreement, please just let us know, contact us, and our prayer team will be on it. Believe in God and standing with you for your needs to be met. Amen.